This is episode number 91 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannert. Welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Stannert, CEO of the Leaders Institute and Fearless Presentations. And this is the podcast that helps people just like you become more confident and poised presenters and speakers. This is podcast number 91. And this week, we're going to continue our series on storytelling and presentations. Last week, if you recall, I told you how stories are really one of the biggest public speaking secrets especially in respect to allowing people to reduce public speaking fear. Number one way to reduce public speaking fear and presentation nervousness is to is to start telling more stories in your presentation. Well, this week, I'm going to give you a real step-by-step approach to show you how to become a better storyteller, to be- become a great storyteller. Um, the podcast is brought to you by Fearless Presentations and fearlesspresentations.com. If you want some really valuable one-on-one coaching to help you apply the concepts from the podcast, I invite you to attend one of our two-day public speaking classes. We've got classes coming up in cities like Philadelphia, Columbus, Ohio, New York, Detroit, New Orleans, Nashville, Atlanta, St. Louis, Dallas, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Baltimore, Atlanta, and Denver. And if I didn't call your your city, just go to fearlesspresentations.com to access the full public speaking class schedule. And those are just the classes that are coming up in the next, you know, really month and a half now. So they're, they're, those are ones that are coming up really quickly. But And don't forget that we conduct private classes for groups of really as few as five people. We come right out uh, to your site and do custom programs for, for small groups. And a lot of times it's at a much, much, much bigger discount. You get a, a bigger discount on the in-house classes or the, the private classes than you would sending a group of people to the public classes because there's less less expense involved for us to come out and teach those. So, um, all right. So let's get on with today's podcast. So the, the title of the podcast today is the five steps of storytelling, or if you can actually call it, you know, how to tell a great story and great speakers know how to tell a great story. I mean, that's, that's basically the bottom line. If you want to be a great speaker, you got to be a really, really good storyteller. So basically what we're going to cover in this session are the five key steps of storytelling that that these great speakers know. And uh, by the way, and this is a continuation of the um, the storytelling series that that I mentioned last week. And, And last week. I kind of told you the importance of storytelling and and how that helps you reduce public speaking fear. Um, this week, we're just going to go through a five-step process that if you go through these five steps, you'll have really, really good stories to, to tell to your audience. Um, it, the, the storytelling, by the way, is something that a lot of times, for some reason, when, we're, when we are inserting stories into our presentations, for some reason, we think this is a really difficult thing when in reality it's it's kind of the easiest type 
or the easiest part of the presentation anyway, because the reason why is because storytelling in our personal lives is really normal. I mean, when we get together with family and friends, we, we build rapport by sharing stories about ourselves. Um, I, I give you a good example of this. In fact, this just happened last night. It's um, uh, Typically, I record the podcast on the weekend, and so I'm, I'm recording this on a Sunday right after church. And uh, last night, Saturday night, my wife had a, a few friends over. We were, you know, playing some board games and stuff like that. You know, it's just kind of drinking some adult beverages and and just getting to getting hanging out with our friends a little bit. And it was funny because, um, I mean, the whole purpose was to kind of get together and do something uh, with with our friends. But for the first, I would say the first hour or so, because we haven't seen these folks for you know, a few weeks or, you know, in, in some cases with travel schedules and stuff like that, a few months. And uh, we, I mean, basically we sat around for a good hour, hour and a half, two hours before we did anything, you know, quote unquote fun and just kind of shared stories with each other about what's happened since the last time we got together. Um, in in the blog notes, I kind of talked about my um, high school reunion that I had a few years ago. I mean, it, I, it was funny because I was, I was visiting with friends that I hadn't seen for decades and, the funny thing about it was that I expected that when we got together after, you know, a couple of decades of, of not seeing each other, that we would be reliving our teenage years when we when we were t- kind of talking about the stories. But in reality, what, what happened was the exact opposite. What happened was we kind of caught up by, the, you know, hey, what have you done since I saw you last? And now we've got a couple of decades to fill in. And the way that we fill that in is with specific incidents of important things that have happened in our lives since the last time we 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 uh, saw our friends and that kind of thing. So the neat thing about that technique that we use in our personal lives is that it's the same technique that you can use when you're in a in a delivering a business presentation. You just you're using these examples, these stories, these experiences from your life to reinforce bullet points that you're trying to get across to your audience. And I, I think um, I, we talked last week about stories being a big public speaking secret. And I think the biggest public speaking public speaking secret that I know is that. You can do the exact same things that we do in, in our personal lives, in our business presentations, and it makes makes the presentation much more real, makes it much more interesting, makes it much more fun and easy, by the way, to, to deliver. Um, they say, by the way, that experience is the best teacher. In reality, though, that's not true. Uh, somebody else's experience is, is our best teacher. So if I'm, as a speaker, am relaying examples from my own personal experience in the business world, and I'm teaching life lessons or I'm teaching concepts to the people that are in my audience, they don't have to go through the same hardships that I went through to learn these things. They can learn from my experience and be that much farther ahead in when when they're doing something in a similar way. And, and that's what you know stories really allow you to do. These experiences really allow you to do. So just that's enough of the overview. Let me kind of go into the five steps, these five things that you can do to make your stories much, much, much better. So Number one, very the very first thing that you want to keep in mind about telling really good stories or being a good storyteller is you want to focus on a single incident in your story. So in the early days of my presentation classes, I stopped using the word story. That's kind of come back into fashion now because of all the social media and that kind of thing. But I had to actually 
for a while, get away from telling people, hey, tell me stories because it, it really confused people. And so I started using the word incident and that seemed to be a much clearer way to kind of tell people what I want them to do. Because basically a novel is a story, <laughs> but a novel has thousands of different incidents in it. Whereas an incident is one moment in time. The, the, um, uh, I was, it, it, a good example of this, by the way, is I was listening to talk radio recently and there was an ad on the radio for this uh, really cool concept called Legacy Box. I don't know if you've heard this or not. I haven't actually used it, but it sounds like a really good concept. And it, where it, all your old photos, your old um, VHS tapes, the uh, anything that's not digital, you, get, you put it in a box and send it to them and they create digital files of all of your memories. And the, the interesting thing about the, the uh, commercial that was on the radio was that the, and I'm probably going to butcher the, the quote on this because I'm, I'm doing this from memory, but I believe that the narrator said something like, we don't remember days, we remember moments. And that's really the difference between telling a long-winded story that's going to be boring and getting a, an example or a story that people listen to and they go, oh, wow, that makes sense. That's really fun. It's you have to get into a moment, explain a moment to the, the people in your audience. It's, that's what we mean when we say incident. So, by the way, if you if you have access to the show notes, uh, just go to uh, fearlesspresentations.com, type in um, five steps uh, to great storytelling, and and it will you, you'll you'll find the the blog post. And because what I did was I put a couple of examples in there, some videos from YouTube on there, and in the first example, I. It's it's actually a really funny tongue in cheek version of a long winded story. And this guy does a podcast and, it, and it's a podcast that helps you fall asleep. And all he does is give a really long winded, boring story. And in fact, uh, on the, the the post or the, um, the the video that I put in the, the show notes, it's got eight hours of him telling about how he got a box of sponges and opened them up. And he spends eight hours. Talking, so he, he blathers on about nothing for eight hours. It's really funny if you listen to it. But just to be, you know, totally blunt, I only listened to the first like a minute and a half. Just I was laughing my head off, but it got so bad that I couldn't listen to it anymore. Uh, so it's it's really um, exaggerated. It, it, uh, in contrast, though, um, I, I found a, a video from Will Smith. It was a, I think it was a an interview that he did with Charlie Rose years ago. Will Smith is a great speaker, by the way, and a, and a fantastic leader, great motivational speaker. Because one of the things that he talks about in in this interview is he talks about a an example or a story from his childhood where his dad just on a whim, he, his dad owned a, a retail store or a shop and he just kind of knocked down an entire brick wall and said, Hey, we're going to build a new wall. And he said, you, you're going to build a new wall with us. He told Will and his brother this. And, um, and of course they're kids, they don't know how to build a brick wall. They have no clue how to do it. And they're like, ah, oh, we can't do that. And, and Will kind of goes through the story about what happened and how that specific incident taught him a lesson. Now, it took he, he and his brother an entire year to rebuild that wall. 
but he doesn't tell you about the whole year. He tells you the the story in a couple of really quick incidents. He spends about 20 or 30 seconds talking about the day that his dad knocked down the wall. And he spends another 20 or 30 seconds talking about that day that they put the last brick in and it was perfect. And so he he he's able to get a uh, an entire year's worth of story across in a couple of really quick specific incidents. And that's what you want to do in your presentation as well. Get focused on a specific part of the story that's most interesting. So like, for instance, if, if I'm telling a, a, a story about a project that took three years of my life, I'm not going to try to tell about the whole three years. What I might do is I might pick a part of that three-year time frame where my team and I hit a really big snag. It was a big problem and we were able to overcome it because that's going to make a much more interesting story. It might, it might be only a few hours of that, of that three-year process, but I can condense that, that, um, that few hours of, of idea or thought process into a couple of 30 seconds or a minute story. And that's really what you want to do in your presentation. Get focused on, get focused on, on um, a single incident in your presentation or at the most, you know, beginning and an end like Will Smith did. And, and you'll do much, much, much better in your storytelling. The second good tip that you can use to, to um, tell a good story is to include what I call a hook or what marketing people anyway call a hook. Um, I, I give you an example. Of this I remember watching the Quentin Tarantino movie Pulp Fiction back. I don't know what a couple of dec- a decade or so ago when I, when I probably first saw this thing. And in the opening scene, th- there's a couple sitting in a diner and they're talking about robbing different places, talking about robbing liquor stores and and pawn shops and stuff like that. And then uh, eventually they get to the to the idea of, hey, why don't we just rob a diner? Hey, we're in a diner now. Let's just rob this. It's actually the 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 dialogue is is pretty interesting, but it's kind of boring. In fact, it takes about five minutes to kind of go through the whole dialogue. That's not really the interesting part. It's the interesting part is that all of a sudden they cut away just about the time that that this couple is robbing the diner and they pull their guns out and they start screaming. They cut away to the opening credits. And then you never see this couple again until the very end of the movie. So they go through all of the stories in the in the movie, and then at the very end, the the uh, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson characters that are that are developed throughout the entire movie are actually in that diner, and, and it makes kind of a twist at the end where you've actually by the time the end of the movie shows up, you've forgotten about the couple that was that were robbing the diner, and all of a sudden they pop out and start to it, anyway. It's a, it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting um, hook or a way to to get your audience in, involved. Um, anyway, so you can do a very similar thing in your, in your stories. What, what I used to encourage people to do, still do in, in my classes is I encourage people to kind of start at the part of the story that's the most action packed and kind of give them, give the audience a, a, a couple of sentences about almost the climax of the, of the story, the turning point, the most interesting part or the most nerve-wracking part and then go back and fill in the details so what happens is people are in their mind trying to picture how in the world did he get to that point from this beginning of the story that he's telling me now so that's a a really cool way to to make your stories much more interesting is, is put that hook in there the third thing that you can do is you want to narrate your story using the the when where who and what and and 
as far as storytelling goes or steps to storytelling goes, this is the this is the part that most people are kind of looking for if they do a search on Google or something like that. Um, but if you don't focus on those first couple of steps, if you're not focusing on a single incident, if you're not doing some type of hook or, or something to make the presentation, the story more interesting, then um, just kind of starting here, it, it'll be helpful, but it's not going to give you the, the greatest impact. So keep in mind that although this is step number three, this is the part of the process that most people are kind of looking for when they're when they're learning how to tell a story. What I encourage people to do is in the first sentence after that hook, you want to give them the when, the where, and the who in a single sentence. And we always encourage people in our classes to, to start with when this thing happens. So two years ago, my team and I were working on a project at our office. You know, so basically I've got, I, I've got the when that happened and, and the who and the where we were in that first sentence. And that kind of starts to, to paint the picture. So, I, by the way, in the show notes, I give a few examples of of kind of how to do this in conjunction with the, the, the hook. One of those might be um, when I was six years old, my dad caught me sneaking out of his bedroom with a dollar that I stole from his wallet. You know, so basically, I'm using the hook. I'm using the when, where, and who with because uh, me and my dad. I was in my dad's bedroom. It was when I was six years old, and I'm using the hook in that that first sentence. Um, another example might be, you know, back in 2005, I finished a team building activity where the audience gave me a standing ovation, and one of the participants said, "Man, that's worth a million dollars." And she was wrong though, because it actually over the last 20 years or 15 years or so has been worth over 20 million dollars to me. So basically, that's a little bit more wordy. It's, it takes me two or three sentences to get that out, but it still has the hook in there. It still starts to paint the picture as to what's going on and, and gets us right in the middle of the story and makes people want to pay attention. Here's one more. So last week, I made an uncomfortable phone call. I had to fire my new web guy. So basically, by by giving that first introductory sentence with when this happened and and what I was, where I was and, and who was involved. It makes it to where it helps me get right in the middle of the action and makes, and makes people want to pay attention to me a little bit more. So in each of these, the examples that I gave, you know, my goal was to give both the when, the who and the where, but I also wanted to use the hook to try to get you to want to, to actually, you know, get, you know, to, to listen to that, that story. Um, so when I and then I'm going to spend the rest of, you know, maybe a minute, minute and a half or so telling the what happened at that point. And that's where that's where the, the meat of the, the story will actually take place. Um, one of the, the things that uh, number four, by the way, the fourth step is that you want to use lots of details. You really want to paint the, a vivid picture in um, in the mind of your audience with with your story this is really one of the biggest things that that is I think it's one of the things that's most difficult to get across to some of our class members when they're coming through our fearless presentations class is that a lot of times we want to just kind of give just the bare bones of the story but that's not what's interesting the, the a good communicator or good communication anyway occurs when the the speaker is able to paint a vivid picture in the mind of the audience members. So the details that you put in your stories are the key to the success of the communication. The details also make the content of your speech much more memorable. So when they th those vivid pictures that the audience remembers are, are um, you know, kind of make the entire presentation more memorable. 
So I give you a bad example here. So here's a bad example. So our team worked on a uh, a similar project last year and we all worked together and came up with a great solution. So teamwork is important, right? So that's a terrible story. It didn't tell us anything. It didn't tell us. I mean, if if I that little 10 second example or 20 second example just leaves the audience with more questions, they're going to say they're going to in their head, they're going to think of, well, who was on your team and what was the actual problem that you solved? And how did the team come up with a solution and what did the solution look like and did it actually work and how is this similar to what we're going through now so if the story was painting uh, uh, if 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 this story was a, a painting you know by the way if this was a like if we if we because we said we, you want to kind of paint the picture in the mind of your audience if this was a painting it's it's going to be like a modern art of some type it's going to be something kind of some kind of nebulous modern art where we're not really sure what what it is. It's not really tangible. So here's a better example. So what I did is I, I kind of uh, went through one that has a, a, quite a bit more detail. So if I were to say something like, hey, last year, Abby had a client who hired me to deliver a, a breakout session at their national convention in Tampa. And the topic was about how to design a persuasive speech. However, since the convention was going to have over 30 different speakers, many of the presenters were, and by the way, these presenters were actually experts in the industry. They, they weren't really professional speakers. So in past conventions, the sessions were you know, somewhat dry and boring. So the client asked Abby to, to, to have me design a, um, some type of way to, to help these other 30 speakers give a better presentation. And the challenge with this is that these 30 speakers were in a lot of different cities. They were in dozens of different cities across the United States, really around the world. And, and so they wanted us to come up with a solution. So we, when in order to do this, I brought in our video producer, Evan. He's the guy that does all of our videos on our YouTube channel and stuff like that. But we also reached out to one of our facilitators. Her name is Fiona. She's up in the New York area because she's got a background in producing films. We figured that some type of online strategy was going to work. So I thought the two of them might be good at, at helping us solve this challenge. So we tossed around a number of different ideas, including webinars and having the speakers come to to the convention space early. And that way we can do some coaching with them prior to their speech. And we even thought about going to the different cities for some personal coaching. So even if it's a dozen different cities, you know, it, it still might be beneficial, maybe not cost effective, but pretty beneficial anyway. So um, what we did, though, the solution that we came up with was that we started with a webinar for the whole group. And um, and the, the, the when we delivered the webinar, we delivered it in like three different time frames of space about a week and a half of, within a week and a half time frame. So we did one on Monday, one on Thursday and one the next you know Tuesday kind of thing. So that way we, we were able to get most of the, the speakers in the on the webinar. And then we use that webinar as a way to deliver specific instructions to some tips that they could use to help them design their presentations or, or organize their presentations a little bit better. And then we and then we we had our instructors, a number of different instructors that are located in cities all over the United States and Canada to reach out to each one of these speakers and help them one on one. And we did most of those we did via Skype. And then finally, we we arrived at the the convention about a day and a half ahead of time, so that anybody that needed some additional coaching or wanted to kind of run through their presentation with us had 
us there as a, as a resource to do that. So basically that those three kind of solutions together, you know, made it, made it very effective for, for the group. Does that make sense? So basically what I'm doing is I'm giving more vivid pictures. I'm kind of going through more details about what we did with the specific, the specific, the specifics about exactly what we did in that situation. And it paints more of a vivid, vivid picture. So I'm uh, tip number five, the fifth thing or the fifth step when you're delivering a, a really good story is is that storytelling should end with some type of a call to action. So um, I'll give an example of, of if you what happens if you don't if you just got to tell a bunch of stories, but you don't tell anybody why you're telling the stories. It It's weird. You know, it can, and this is I think this is one of the reasons why. Folks will kind of be resistant to inserting a lot of stories into their presentations because they might have seen a speaker before or they might have tried to insert a story before without ever tying that story back into whatever the heck it was that they were talking about. Um, but a good example of this is I, uh, my dental hygienist. The, I just got my teeth cleaned last week, so this is fresh on my mind. This lady is a fantastic storyteller. She, she, she constantly chats away during the, the teeth cleaning and um, her, her stories are always really interesting, but when I leave, it's almost comical because when I, when I kind of walk out of the office, I'm, I'm always wondering what was the purpose of what, why did she tell me, you know, she told me 15 different stories on 15 totally different topics without ever really tying into why, you know, so it's just a bunch of random stories that don't really mean anything. It's, and it, it actually is kind of funny. Now my, my wife who also goes to the same dentist and she, she and I kind of joke about this a lot. Um, the, you you, the, if that's the impression that you're leaving on your audience, when you finish your, your presentation, then we're totally screwing up the, the storytelling process. You don't want your audience to have similar questions at the end of your presentation. You don't want them walking out going, why the heck did he tell that weird story about stealing money from his dad or whatever it was. Right. So, so what you want to do is put some type of a call to action or some type of tie in at the end of your story. And by the way, most of us do this really naturally because we've been trained to do this throughout our lives. Most of the time when we finish a story, we'll kind of finish the story by saying, Hey, my point is, or the reason I'm telling you this is, or the reason I'm, I'm kind of explaining the story to you is, you know, we kind of do that naturally and, and give them the reason. Uh, and I, but by the way, I remember when I was a kid, I think uh, in the first grade, I think we, when we first started reading, one of the first um, books that uh, my teacher gave us in the first grade was like the Aesop Fable books. And uh, and at the end of every Aesop Fable, it had the the phrase, the moral of the story is you know, so every one of those ended the exact same way. The moral of the story is, and then he would give us a, a new moral. And that's what you want to do with your with your audiences as, as well. Is once you finish that story, tie it back into the bullet point that you're using the story to explain. And if you do that, you're going to have a, a a much 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 better presentation. So, but by the way, just so you know, I mean, those are five steps and five things that you can do to to tell much better stories, but I'll give you one final tip here. The final tip, it really isn't one of the steps in storytelling, but it is an important part of how to tell a story. And it's a good idea to practice different versions of your story. So, um, and by the way, I got this from a friend of mine, Tom Antion. Um, and it, in fact, it was actually on the podcast. I, I interviewed him. I think it was podcast 11 and I'll put a, I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to it. But he suggested having 
three different versions of every story that you tell in a presentation. He said, have a 30 second version, a one minute version, and then a two minute version of every one of these stories. And although when Tom mentioned this, this was about a year, a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, um, I'd been teaching students how to tell great stories for for years by the time that that Tom kind of gave me this information. But I'd never really taught that you should have different versions of the of the same same story. I always just assumed that folks could kind of do this naturally. And uh, and I think I the I made that assumption because I mean I've been I've been telling stories in my presentations for 20 years, 25 years now. So for me it's fairly simple because I've had so much practice, but for somebody who's just starting out and they're uncomfortable with their stories, this is a, a really good tip because after Tom mentioned this tip to me, I began to pay much closer attention to the look on my students' faces when I would, when I would, um, I would, I would say something like, um, you know, if your time is short, just condense down your story a little bit. And I, and I started looking around the room when I would say that after Tom kind of mentioned that you should have different stories. And I, and every once in a while, I'd see kind of a confused look. And I, and now I know that the reason why I was getting that confused look is because my class members were subtly saying, hey, Doug, uh, what do you mean? How would I do that? I don't know how to do that. And so um, the, the technique that we started using recently in our, in our classes is to have people practice different versions of, of the story. And you, if you're if you're practicing with a partner, by the way, if you if you and that's one of the things we encourage people to do in our classes is before you actually go out and give a presentation to a a real audience, you should actually practice that with a person. The reason why is because you can get visual feedback from that person when you deliver the the presentation. You you're explaining something to your your partner. It could be a friend, a coworker, a spouse, a significant other, whatever. You're delivering that presentation to your your partner, and when you do, you visually see the look on their face as to whether or not they're understanding what you've explained to them. And when you say something that they agree with, you kind of see the nods of the of the head, and they and you go, oh, okay, great, I, I explained that really well. And if you see confusion, you're like, okay, I've left something out that's really important. So when you're telling the different versions of the story. If you if you can practice that with a with a partner, you can start with the 30 second version of the story. And when you tell that 30 second version of the story, you kind of watch your partner's reaction. And if if that's if you can tell by the the look on your partner's face and what and the the um, the interaction that they're giving you, the the visual cues that they're giving you that they understood it, then you've got a really good 30 second version of the story. If they're confused, you might add a few more details in to make sure that you're explain the reason why you're, you're kind of telling the story and then give them a one minute version of the same story that's going to have a little bit more detail. You should see the same type of reaction from the person because now you're giving them a, a few more details and then give them a two minute version of that same story. That way, if your presentation time gets shortened for one reason or another, that happens a lot. Just before we go on to speak, somebody comes up to us and says, hey, can you cut this down a little bit? Well, yeah, if you've got, you know, five or six two minute versions of a story and you condense all those down to, you know, one minute. Now you've got an, an extra five minutes or six minutes to to play around with on your on your time frame. So it really helps if you have different versions of your story. So although that's not one of the five steps to being a good star- storyteller, it is a, a pretty good bonus anyway. So hopefully this has been very helpful for you. Um, next week, I'm going to kind of share with you some of the things that I do to uh, identify good stories for my presentation, some different things that you can use to kind of catalog stories so that 
when you come up with an idea, you don't forget it. You know, it, it, that happens to me a lot as I'll come up with great ideas for a presentation. If I don't write them down somewhere, if I don't store those ideas somewhere, then um, it's easy for me to forget it because, I, you know, we're all busy. And so I'll show you some of the techniques that I use to make sure that when I'm designing a presentation, it's easy for me to come up with great stories to, to back up my content and also easy for me to catalog ideas for presentations that I'm going to be doing in the future and I don't that I might need a story for. So we'll show you, we'll show you that next week. So uh, thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast next week. If you haven't already subscribed, make sure to do that. Subscribe to the, the podcast because we've got new content coming out every single week. And, uh, and it just keeps getting better and better and better. So, so hang in there and subscribe and we'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.